Welcome to the Drive Phase Podcast, the best podcast for information on issues surrounding sports business in the Caribbean. On the Drive Phase, we have discussions with sport administrators, coaches, athletes, and various stakeholders in the sporting industry and examine their contribution to sports and entrepreneurship. Here's your host, Dalton Myers. Thanks, Colleen. In this episode, we look at the business of netball, and here to discuss it is Marva Bernard, President of the America's Federation of Netball Associations. Marva, welcome. Thank you for having me, Dalton, and thanks for asking me to do this. <laughs> no, it, it is my pleasure. Listen, you have been in, in netball for quite a while. Uh, you, you did try playing netball also, didn't you? Yeah, but every time somebody slimmer than me came, and I'm very not ashamed to say they <laughs> took me off. And so one day I decided that they wouldn't take me off again. I would do a job that nobody else wanted to do, was to, and that was to manage. So I ended up in management. That's like me also. I realized I, I wasn't doing too well on the track and decided to go into management. But you did a much better job than I did. So talk me through what has been going on with you in terms of leading netball at a regional level. Okay, well, we have right now 17 members, member countries in mm -hmm. the Caribbean. We have also North and Central America, North America, which right. includes Canada and the USA, okay. and Argentina, and Argentina is working hard to grow and spread the game in South America. So it's mainly Caribbean countries for now. Right. Haiti has just joined us, and we are working hard to get ourselves into the CSE games, the Technical Commission of CASCO has approved us, so now we hope to convince the members in October to allow netball to be in the CAC games, and that would be a huge, huge plus for us. It would be, and and so to get into the CAC games, and, and then after that, it, the, the aim is to get into other regional competitions. And, yes, and, we need and to get ourselves into more multi-sport games, right? because you know, we're in the Commonwealth Games already, we mm -hmm. are in Southeast Asia Games, we're also in multi-sport games in Africa, but in this region we are not there. So we were, this is something that I'm really excited about. I'm writing an appeal now to the members, individual countries, uh -huh. asking them to support us and hopefully we will go with a united front to them in October when they have their General Assembly in Panama. Well, this is interesting. Didn't you tell us that you were in retirement from Nepal? So so this is part of retirement, is it? <laughs> I, actually, I actually did retire for two years. <laughs> or less. And then, yeah, and then I was asked to come back and work with St. Martin Netball. And because the world is a village and you can work mm -hmm. with people from all over the world, from your home. Yeah. I went out and helped St. Martin and then I was asked by a number of Caribbean countries to run for the presidency. I, I didn't want to do it. I honestly didn't want to do it. I have not learned to say no as yet. And they got my husband involved because without his <laughs> permission for me to be traipsing around doing all this yeah. netball work, he would have to buy into it. Eventually he said, okay. And so here I am doing it. I have a four-year term. I have not completed my first term yet. The first year is August. So I was elected last year, August, and August coming up will be one year. Before I get into that, though, you, you mentioned working with St. Martin, and, and, and that's part of trying to develop their netball. How did you find that experience, or how is that experience going on if, it's, if, it, if you're still working with them? For me, yes, I'm still working with them, but for me, my strength is in governance. And so where I assist them is in governance because for me the sport is a business 
and it is not i don't say sport is a business lightly I, if you treat it as a business it will you will get a different result so my strength was to assist st martin in their in in their areas of governance whilst the on the court activities will be done by somebody else Awesome. You talk about sports being a business and it, it draws me back to some of the activities that you you started here in Jamaica. Uh, one of them, of course, you and I locked horn on, but it was one of the biggest projects, which is really the Bell League, the, the first professional, semi-professional netball league in Jamaica. Take us through that. What went through your mind in trying to develop that kind of a, a, a structure and, and, you know, the kind of success that, that we reap from it? Okay, netball is a business, and a business has several products. So we have the competitions that people want to play for fun, health reasons. You have the national teams. You also have another set of girls who are playing, and they are playing at a very senior level. We look at, I've been taught to look at what number one and number two do so that you can see if you can pick up anything that would help you to be where they are. And so we, our board, discussed it, and we felt that uh, semi-professionally, because we wouldn't have the funding yet to start it fully professional, professional. Right. but we felt that we could offer the netball public a new product, which would be a super league, semi-professional, elite league. We played around with many names. But the idea was to make this different. So we said we would play it on a Friday night, would pay the girls. We would play it on a Friday night and maybe a Sunday evening because people need to want to find some reason. We have to find some reason to entice Dalton to leave home on a Friday night and come to the stadium to watch netball. So we realized that it was another item of entertainment on the market for people to choose from. It worked for us because on a Friday night there was a term called Ayasonice and so we we people said let's call it Friday night Ayasonice. So we had people at the stadium on a Friday night. The children didn't have to go to school on a Saturday morning so the parents could bring them and they would run up and down at the stadium. We had giveaways, we had entertainment and when we didn't have a paid entertainer. The patrons became the entertainment and people came with their pot covers. I remember there was Paula Thompson fan club <laughs> and on a Friday night we had music and entertainment and netball. We had to, it, it had teething pains like everything else but this was also one of the ways in which our sunshine girls could get a closer type of competition to to prepare them for what was going to be what the Commonwealth Games in 2014 and right. World Cup in 2015. So it was a start and it worked for us in year one. We had a public drawing for placements on teams and everything was different. There was an excitement about it. And like I said, being on a Friday night, people came out and then we wanted to have a lime at the end of the matches, we worked with JUTC to pass by the stadium later so that they could pick up the patrons and take them to Halfway Tree and Crossroads. So we kind of put everything in place. And we had some business people to come on board and sit with us to show us the way in which the business of this league could work to benefit the product 
and also the association. So it was a very exciting time for me to be a part of that pioneering group of people who said, let's do this. It was not easy because you were breaking up some of the clubs and the clubs wanted to keep their people together. But and institutions. Yes, I know. But in dialoguing, we learned... We learned about what the rules were and what your challenges were to making something like this work. And when you see where Australia and New Zealand and England have gone with their Super League, we have to do something here to remain competitive. What was that kind of a, a teething pain in terms of, well, not necessarily teething pain, but talk to me about the, the, the discussions with the stakeholders, whether it's the club, the, the institutions, the sponsors, etc., to try and get that buying. Help us to understand that a little bit more. Berger was very interested in it and they after year one wanted to do more so they wanted to invest more money into the PRing of it so you would see that they would have features in the thing Jamaica Observer they used the girls we made sure that the girls were up front and center we discussed with the clubs and showed them that we weren't trying to mash up their clubs that we were trying to build a cadre of girls that could bring glory to the nation it was a new the names that we chose meant that down the road the clubs, the, the teams would be attached to a parish, so you had Clarendon Gators and St. Catherine Racers, so all yeah. of the names were deliberately chosen so in any pioneering work, there's going to be challenges and difficulties and the challenges were to get other sponsors to come on board with the title sponsor being Berger. And Berger has been Netball's longest sponsor themselves and Jamaica Nationals. I think both of them came on in 1988. So there is a bond. There was a bond already with Berger. And so we couldn't find anybody else to take the partnership because if you're going to call it the Berger Elite League what's in it for me right. so those were some of the challenges that we found so Berger eventually gave us some more money took a lot of the PR for us so you would find that we would be in the newspapers of course we ensure that we're always on television so we covered that because we hired our own television person to come and capture the matches so that every week you would see what was happening. And the crowds began to grow. We had only two matches we didn't play. We used court one and court three. And because it was a Friday night, people could plan. We know we're playing matches on a Friday night and it's spill over to a Sunday because what we want to do is to get the family involved. So if the children love to come to, to watch the match, parents will come because you know, the children draw out the parents. They can run up and down freely at the stadium. Mommy watch the matches, daddy watch the matches. The food sellers make money because it's a business. So the people who are selling at the stadium have the crowds on a Friday night. JUTC getting their transport in. The music man is coming with his music. So this is all a part of the business. And you, you even had a, a commissioner, didn't you? Or you had yes, we had help. somebody who was in charge of that right. league, particularly it was Pastor Brown. He was there every Friday night or every Sunday. We had a resident MC who, like I said, when you couldn't afford to hire a DJ or somebody, she was the comedian and this, we called the people out the stands and everything was just... I looked forward to going to the stadium on a Friday night. I never know what was going to happen. And Berger came on. We also had Power Aid. Power Aid came on and gave us hydration. So the teams, we knew how they were going to be hydrated. And so 
giveaways. People like to come to the matches and get things. So they're going home with paint or they're going home with gift baskets. And if we beg the gift baskets from Power Aid, my husband gave us gift baskets. We beg it. We just got things so that the patrons would come and have some fun and win some prizes and go home happy. And 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 part of the reason for that was also you needed to have a league that was competitive, wasn't it? You wanted yes. the competition and you wanted the the entertainment value of, to create that kind of. It a, had a to program. be different from the regular JNA leagues, which is why we didn't play it on a Tuesday and a Thursday on a Saturday like the other leagues. We wanted a totally different package, and we had a different team of people, business people, sports people who sat down drafted rules, looked at the business, tried to sell it. So it was just a whole new idea to make the match. And the matches were competitive because we spread the Sunshine Girls and those who were past Sunshine Girls but still had some, you know, good skills going. And I remember many Friday nights and what it also helped to do is the coaches were able to assess the players. I remember in my mind, I see in my mind's I know the selectors and the coaches in the stands every week watching the girls, giving them feedback because we had Commonwealth Games coming up, like I said, and the World Cup. So that was the best that we could do to give them that kind of practice week after week. Well, you, you talk about coaches and, and officials. Uh, take me through some of the things that you, you know, you try to develop to ensure that we had the, the best coaches coaching these girls, whether it is at the league level or at the senior level or the junior level. And, and, and the same thing for the officials. Um, what we did was we brought Jill McIntosh here in 2007. I remember meeting her in Com Games in Melbourne in 2006 and asked her to come and assist to upskill our coaches. Not to coach the team, but to upskill our coaches. And so Connie became a Jamaica Award and Oberon. That's Connie Francis. Yes, on the <laughs> And then we also had a partnership with UTEC because I like to look. I'm always looking over the fence. And I've seen where football had these coaching programs going and they were always training the coaches as difficult as it was and we wanted that for ourselves so we had a partnership with UTEC and so we began to train and upskill our coaches and what I did was to say to the sponsors of the leagues give me a hundred thousand extra to train the coaches and so I got Jamaica National I got Supreme Ventures I got Berger Pains to agree and so what that did was at the end of every league, the winning coaches were given a scholarship to go to UTEC. And then we realized that the same club was always winning. And so we changed. What we did was filter it right down. So if this club had two coaches trained already and they won next year, we filtered it right down. So quite a number of our coaches were certified this way. Jill came, brought us some new ideas in coaching and also introduced some different coaching techniques and I found it was a learning curve for the coaches that felt good about themselves some of them who were coaching with a whistle around them neck uncertified I say for years now got a certification from Netball Jamaica and this was something that when I look at the number of coaches that were trained through this UTEC system I'm happy that I was around at the time to be a part of this change a significant number of coaches 
were trained. And again, they didn't pay to do it because the creativity of the administration at the time was to say, it would help if you give them a scholarship. Give me a little extra money to do this. And I'm telling you, all our sponsors bought into it because I said, these guys, they are the ones coaching and they're not certified. Can you help me? And trust me, Dalton, every year, a new set of coaches left UTEC feeling good about themselves. And you see them now coaching in the JNA leagues because they are now certified. And they feel better because they are certified. Now, you talked about scholarships and, and the, the collaboration with, with UTEC, but something that we don't talk about a lot that, that you implemented, which was trying to get youngsters call it netball scholarships in Jamaica, because at the time, you thought we were losing a lot of our netballers overseas, to overseas universities for volleyball, basketball, etc., and not getting them for major competition. Talk to me about some of what went into trying to get the tertiary institutions to buy into that. Now we have majority of our national players in, in tertiary institutions in, in, in Jamaica. When I joined the... Jamaica Netball Association and the management team. We had lots of mothers. Some of them were not educated beyond high school. And Mrs. Rohn and myself pushed education. All the presidents, before we had the same mandate, we just continued to say to them, look, you have to go to school at the end of the day. You're going to be finished. I said, I want you to be like me. Own your own home, drive your own car, and the only way you can do this is through education. And then G.C. Foster was very willing to partner with us because I think at the time the vision was collegiate sports. And so, and SDF was also willing to assist athletes to further their, right, further their education. And so, I wrote many letters and got many of these girls a foothold into GC Foster. Once these girls want to further their education, there's always an angel out there who sees the heart of this player and provides a way. So Sasha Gay Henry, Nicole Aiken Pinnock, Simone Forbes, named and even the younger ones coming up now, UTEC, UWE. And this is something that I think they have bought into. I know that there are girls who franchises overseas want. And they are not going. And why they are not going, Dalton, with all the money that's dangling in front of them? They intend to finish their university career. They have now bought into the fact that it feels good to have on your resume they're a graduate of wherever, because at a time, there's a time when I used to look at the profiles of the players from Australia and New Zealand, and they were doctors and lawyers. And I would show my 21s and I say, you don't see, she's a lawyer and she playing at the highest level. So you can do that. And so for me, I say most all of them now are graduates of some university, whether it's GC, UWE or UTEC. And that makes me feel very proud because the message has, has reached and it has sunk in and they are now continuing. I still get asked to miss and need some help with whatever. And I can find somebody because the minute they ask for help with their schoolwork, I'll walk on water and find that person. Because it means that they are thoroughly, thoroughly focused and want to have this piece of paper along with their net, netball career. 
which, which makes it interesting then. So it, it's pushing them to get that education and also they can become a professional, whatever they choose to do after or with playing netball. They can be anything they want to be. There's another program I remember that you had developed. Um, I'm not too sure if you developed it, but I know you had pushed it, which is the under 13 um, program. And I think at one point you had appointed, well, the board, Simone Forbes was like the coach or assistant coach. So it was developing those youngsters under 13s. And by now, most are actually in the senior this, program. This is, this is what Talk I'm, to me about yes. that now. Okay, so I had a group of people who said we need an under-14 program to feed into the under-16. And Dalton, that was one of the best decisions that Ball Jamaica, JNA, made. Because who took that program but Barbara Sinclair? And that program was holistic. And who bought that program? Scotiabank. So Scotiabank took the under-14 and under-16 program. And we had Barbara teaching the girls soft skills, netball skills. Simone came around and helped them. We had Joy Watson, and out of that program came a junior umpires program. Right. The girls who couldn't make the cut to under-16 were asked, what would you like to do? And they said they wanted to be umpires or coaches or managers. So we got um, Donovan Vincent and Joy Watson to teach those kids on a Saturday morning when the other ones are outside playing, sat in a classroom and taught them to be the theoretical part of being an umpire. And then when they were finished with that, they went outside and umpired their peers. South Africa passed through here. Some guys from South Africa passed through here and heard about the program and sent for me and Donovan to come to South Africa to teach them about the Junior Umpires program. It was our pride and joy. I'm not sure where those kids are today, but just like how you have a under-13 program feeding into under-14, feeding into your 21s to the seniors, you need to have that kind of program for umpires so there's a pathway from their teenagers not to want to play and be an umpire and a coach. And that is something that this administration, and the idea wasn't mine, you know. But one thing I can tell you, if it's a good idea and you give it to me, I'll work it. I'll make it happen. And this is how we operated as a board we, uh, we, we heard the things that were to be done. We mulled on it. If it's Joy Watson's, anything to do with children. And Joy died a couple years ago. But once it had to do with children, pick the netball, we could give it to Joy. So Barbara taught them soft skills. They went to visit the mayor. They had to write programs. They had people come in and teach them grooming and dining etiquette. And they had courseworks to do. So it wasn't only about playing netball. We had graduation ceremonies for the junior umpires. I think most of them have probably lost interest by now. But it was a good program and it should be continued because the same way you're investing in the youth to have a pathway to your seniors, you need to do the same for your umpires and your coaches. And and you just mentioned something and, and I, it, it just brought me back to the fact that also in that you try to work on the girls in terms of not just 
on the court, but but off the court. And I'm talking about the the juniors and seniors, and I know you have used even Carmen Clark and many others to to work on this. What was the mindset behind that? Netball is a product. Netball is a brand. Image is everything. Jamaica market is a peculiar market. And because we want netballers to compete with other netballers overseas and with other products in Jamaica, we have to be a cut above the rest and different. So we have always, always done soft skills. Faye Ellington would do interview skills. Faye Ellington do interview right. skills. Carmen Clark recently took charge of the whole soft skills program for the under-21s when they were getting ready to go to um, Scotland. We believe that image is everything. So how you dress, how you speak, how you conduct yourself affects your brand. And netball is a brand competing with track and field football. So you will never see a sunshine girl coming off the plane chewing gum. There's a no chewing gum rule. When you teach them that from their young, you can open your eyes. If you see them, they will say, Miss, we have to chew gum because the plane and the ears pop. But the minute they land, they know they have to be well-groomed. We teach them how to speak and how to dress. I mean, Dalton, how to eat. I remember being in Scotland with Shanice and, and, and Khadija at breakfast. And Carmen said, you do not make sandwiches with your breakfast meat. I'm busy making a sandwich with my sausage. And Shani said, Miss, I'm going to report it to Miss Carmen because you're making a sandwich with your breakfast meat. And I'm happy because she has learned how to eat properly because we take things for granted, many of us leaders. And I'm saying to you, if you don't love them, Dalton, you cannot lead them. And don't think it has always been rice and peas and chicken, but there's a basic love that we have for each other. You are bringing up your daughter and your son in a way in which your parents didn't even, even do better. For me and managing these girls, it meant that they had to learn to appreciate their sponsors. They had to wear their sponsors clothes. And anytime they step out as a sunshine girl, they must be a cut above the rest. We don't chew gum. We comb our hair. I used to give the juniors three instructions. When you get up in the mornings at Netball House, and I said, you did not earn the right to be here. You have not earned it yet. So the first thing you do, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you make your bed, and you sweep the room. And I saw one of them one day rushing to the physio. And I said, stop, stop, stop. Come here. Where are you going? To the physio, miss. I said, I'm adding another instruction. You comb your hair, brush, and I'm going to walk with a brush because I have to use my sense of humor with them. So they say, okay, miss. I say, inside, brush that hair. And when they come back outside, I say, look how you look pretty now. You can go to the physio because the sponsor doesn't want to see you looking, as I say to them, chaka chaka, because you are representing them. People didn't think I had any other clothes beside a yellow blouse. But if I'm going to a BNS function, I have on my BNS blouse. Because BNS could give that money to anybody else, but they chose to give it to netball. 
And so the camera is focusing on me. It is the... <laughs> the and you know, one of my, one of my sponsors, <laughs> whose bank is a blue bank, said to me, every time I give you money, you take it and put it into the red bank. I opened an account in the blue bank because your sponsor is to be respected. And if the sponsor wants a sunshine girl to come down and do something, we ensure that they're well-dressed, wearing the sponsor's clothes, and whatever the sponsor wants us to do within reason. And they're always within reason. No, you can do it. We go. Let, let me, you talk about image, and I just want to get this in quickly. Part of changing that image of netball, it was also changing the the type of organization we had and you created Netball Jamaica as opposed to just a Jamaica Netball Association which was crucial in showing that we are we are a business, we are a company and we are a charitable organization. Talk to me about what went into the mind of, of, of the board and to your mind in developing that kind of a structure. Easy. We always I've always said Dalton that I never inherited a pop down organization. I was the treasurer for Jamaica Netball Association for 12 years before I became the president. And I was always minding my figures because I love figures, but I always used to have my ear to what were the desires of those who went before. And we wanted a house. So for our 50th anniversary, we had a banquet and the guest speaker was the Honorable Bruce Golding, who was the prime minister at the time. And my dream was the dream of all the past presidents was to own our own home because it was expensive for us to be in a hotel all the time. Even though we got good rates and thanks to Alhambra who put us up for years. And so when we got this house and I went to pick up the keys, the lady said, I'm so sorry, can't give you government house because the Prime Minister heard the plea and gave us the house. And I was so excited to go for the keys. She said, you can't get these keys. <laughs> you're going to get this key and you're not an incorporated entity. So we hurriedly decided that to get this house, we have to form a company. There's a wise old lady who I used to go to. And she said, Mrs. Bernard, why don't just form a charitable company so that when companies give you money, they get a benefit from it. And I said, okay, and there began the process, Dalton. The foundation, we started, so she said, call the company the Netball Foundation of Jamaica, Limited. And we took a time to get the Limited off when we became a charity company. And those were exciting times because now we have the foundation <laughs> owning the house, and Jamaica Netball Association doing the netball business. Again, Mrs. Rowan said to me, so when you go to Congress, you're going to call yourself the Netball Foundation of Jamaica. That's what it's going to be on your name tag. And I'm always looking at what number one or number two, even number five or number six calling themselves when you go to Congress. So I said, well, Netball Jamaica. So I applied to the company's office, office. Mm -hmm. for the name, for the business name Netball Jamaica. And I began to use it. I used it every time I got in front of a mic, I said Netball Jamaica because we transformed ourselves. The members met 
and agreed that JNA should be merged with Netball Foundation. That took place in 2013, and I have all the, the documents and records to prove it. And then the company's office said, okay, I hear you on the radio talking about Netball Jamaica, Netball Jamaica, I'm going to allow you to use the business name. So we became legitimately Netball Jamaica. The whole, the, 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 that's the business name for who we are. Right. And in doing that, when we were fundraising to go to Australia, the last sentence on every application was our charity status. And it certainly helped because people asked for it, gave us money, and they too got a benefit. And, and let me tell you what this has done for us. Added respectability, but it also didn't change the way we operated. We're called to a higher order, yes, but we always met every month as a council. Now we're a board. We were always producing our audited financial statements, and one of the hallmarks of the leadership of these ladies is that the financials must be presented at every meeting. I remember I didn't present it once because I was studying. I was doing my CP and Mrs. Rowan has not forgiven me. Because you must have the minutes and you must have your financials. We, we had a good structured organization. The only thing I came in and did differently was to not let Netball be the best kept secret in the land. So we had a fiduciary responsibility to our members. Our annual general meetings always had our annual report in the report. It was our brag book. When we go to a sponsor, the first thing we do is to put the annual report in front of us. If we don't leave with any money, we leave with respectability. And so we took our responsibility to our stakeholders and our members very seriously. We believe that the organization must be aware that it is responsible to ensure the preservation of the integrity of netball and to maintain an efficient administration to conduct, regulate, and direct sport. Mm. There's a school of thought that if your administration is weak, you're going to produce weak results on court. That's not necessarily true because sometimes the things are not visible out there, but it may filter down or it may not filter down. To me, the most important asset in any organization is not on the balance sheet, which is the people. And if you do not, as I say, love them, you can't lead them. It is all about interpersonal relationships. I was the face of netball for 10 years, but I was only the face. Because there's a whole body of people who came on to do things that I didn't know. So I got the idea and I ran with it. I made sure that there was somebody who knew marketing. I made sure that there was somebody who knew business. There was somebody who had some events planning skills. And I made sure that anybody who asked me why we weren't getting any money, I asked them to help. And so they came on board to help because I believe that netball is a good, good product. We just need to get some good quality help. I am satisfied that the help that I got, I mean, I had, we did time and motion study Dalton. We called in consultants to help us to reorganize 
and rebrand. So while we were repositioning the organization, you mentioned Carmen, we were also fine-tuning and rebranding and getting the girls ready for the big stage. So it's a whole package. And if you don't realize that we are all competing for the same small sponsorship dollar. And so when Mr. Big Money Man wants to invest, they have to have something different. And we we learned to appreciate our sponsors. We sweated them, we included them in everything, and we made sure that when they, we also accounted to them how we spent their money. So Scotiabank at the end of every year, I remember we sat down and worked out how much money we spent because everybody's, the general ledger was already established by me because that's my strength really. And so we could, you could ask me how much does it cost for the under 16 program and one flick of a switch in the computer and you know it. And, and those have helped the, the the program and you know everybody know the netball team is the most successful team sport in Jamaica and, and still is. What do you think in terms of what are some of the things you wish you, you had put in place more? Uh, obviously there is always time limit but what is it you thought you know I, I, I could have done a little bit more on this area to, to build that, that netball brand or the team itself? I wish that I could have done more in the area of umpiring because I don't see the pathway. I wish there was continuity for the junior umpires program. It started in 2006, 2007, and if that program could have been sustained, we would have much more persons who are closer to being an international award umpire than just one who recently got awarded. I would have done more. I would have wanted to minimize some of the fallouts with the coaches. And the the bridges have been mended, but I would have preferred not to have had the fallout of some of the coaches. I did at the time what I thought was best for the organization. I'm very proud of where I left it. I'm very proud of how we conducted our affairs financially. I'm very proud of the relationships that were built. But for me, I would have wanted to see more umpires coming out. The coaching program and the coaching education was a big plus, and I hope that that is continuing. But where are we now with continuing to build and introduce young people to become umpires. That is where I think I could have done a lot more. And you you, you don't have a lot of players playing professionally overseas. Um, I'm sure that's something you're you're really happy about. Do you see netball as that sport that more athletes can benefit, can have a good earning from and can survive on that? Of course. Netball is a... A friend of mine said netball is a philosophy. Somebody who's much more articulate than I am said it's a philosophy. It's a way out of poverty. And for women and empowerment of women and girls, you couldn't pick a better sport. It's a sport that the children of poorer class people have managed to get an education, get a career, further them, you know, have a family. And when I sit and look at them, Dalton, I'm saying that let us continue to build on these youngsters because they are homegrown talent 
and we should encourage them as best as possible. It's a hard thing to be an athlete. It's hard to be an administrator, but it's harder to be an athlete and one who's juggling school and national training. We haven't talked much about AFLA, but I just wanted to go a little bit. In part of your retirement, you went back to your alma mater to give back. And I couldn't close the show without asking you, why why, why did you decide that, okay, let, let me just go back? And what are some of the successes from that, some of the takeaways, even at this moment for you? Why? Because I went to look a job for a coach. At my high school. Just Excelsior. Yes. Right, Excelsior High. And then Shakespeare, Desmond Shakespeare, and the Dash people. I was just amazed at the dedication and the way in which they have come back and have just stuck with the school. And I felt very guilty. So when the coach got the job, I said, you know, maybe I should help him and help my school. So I went back down there, and in the first two years, we did very well, but that's the, the on-court activity is very obvious. It's the off-court, soft skills. Carmen Clark came again and trained, gave them the soft skills, because I'm always mindful of the young ladies of today, and I want them to be representative. So it's been a heartwarming exercise for me to be back at Excelsior. My time with Afna now has cut into the time that I have to spend with my school, yes. but when I decided what I was going to give up, Excelsior did not come on the list, and I now have yes. just kept Excelsior and Afna. I can't do anything else. Excelsior and Afna is what I do. I don't have the time to do Excelsior as I would like to, but I cannot and will not leave my school. So I'm going to try and find other women because the men are putting me to shame. <laughs> and the, the high school competition, though, the Afna high school competition was a big hit. Um, certainly it was held here in Jamaica last year. Uh, it, it, will you be having that this year? But yes, it and will be in St. Martin. In, in St. Martin. And do you expect the same kind of excitement, etc., in this in the second staging of the event? Yes, I, I expect it. But I, I know that Jamaica is a unique <laughs> being of a country and we love netball and we love girls. And for me, I can't do anything halfway. Not that St. Martin. St. Martin is my new home country and I'm going to give them all the best that I can. Right. But they are not a netball nation like, mm -hmm. like um, Jamaica. And so that the competition wouldn't die, my president and I discussed it and said we would host it because the children need to start playing international and competition from this early age. So, yes, but it was an exciting time in Jamaica with that high school championship. I had no idea it was going to come off so well. Right. You know, and Jamaica, Jamaica corporate Jamaica did come on board to make this this event so wonderful. I, I still get goosebumps and said, goodness, did we just do that, you know? But the, the past presidents came on board and Miss Vilma yeah. MacDonald just came and did the volunteers and Dalton, this country have a cadre of people who just give and give and give and ask nothing in return. And it put me in mind of 2003 
when we came together to have the World Netball Championship here. Right. Yeah, okay. And <laughs> just to see how people came. And we, the thing that we wanted to do was to make it free. And Corporate Jamaica made it possible for us to make it free. We made sure that even the team who came ninth went home with a gift. I went back on my begging spree. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Marva Bernard, we, we, we could talk uh, for an entire day and certainly I, tell I, you. I hope to bring you back to the podcast another time to talk about it. But certainly we learned a lot about just netball in Jamaica, well, netball in general, the business of netball and some, some of those strong areas, positive impact that you have made to, to, to netball and certainly we hope to bring you back again so thank you Just very much <laughs> thanks again to Marva Bernard and thanks to every one of you for listening so on behalf of my producer Rashika Grant and the studio engineer Andre and everyone thank you very much for listening remember make sure to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and subscribe to our show so that you never miss an episode. Remember, we'd appreciate our ratings. Ratings are always crucial. Uh, go tell a friend about the show so they too can spread the word. You, you can also listen to the show on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, and any one of the podcast um, apps that are out there. Feel free to send feedback, comments, or questions to the drive phase at gmail.com or look us up on Twitter and Facebook at the Drive Phase JA. Remember to use our hashtag TDP. Until next time, see you then.